AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Well, there we go. Some strength back into the grain markets today. One, of course, wonders if we are merely seeing aberrations in a low-volatility environment or if there's some technical case to be made for greater market strength. You know what? I've got just the guy to ask. Loaded up and ready to go. Live from the pinnacle of a Lorna Dune hump day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk this afternoon. It's a conversation with Dan Huber from the Huber Report. And right after the news, Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm your handsome, capable host, Davis Michelson, filling in for Chip Flory. Thank you so much for tuning in this afternoon. Glad you're with us today. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the conversation with Dan Huber from the Huber Report. We've sort of started out the week wondering "Eh, what are we doing here in these markets what what does it all mean a lot of confusion yesterday in fact it was one of these subtle subtexts of yesterday's afternoon program but here we go look today corn slightly higher beans i would call it moderately higher mildly to moderately higher you got meal charging to the upside soybean oil slightly lower today now look over here. If we're talking soybean oil, let's also look at crude oil down a buck eighty nine in the Jan presently seventy two thirty six seventy two thirty six. I wonder if Bubba's got any thoughts on that. Wheat double digits higher, except well the winter wheat's double digits higher. Spring wheat uh, up just either side of a nickel, call it in the spring wheat. And then you've got uh, the live cattle. The, the front month contract was higher. The April contract unchanged. Look out to the August 23 unchanged. All the other uh, suspects just slightly lower and the, the feeder cattle lower on the day and some strength in the lean hogs. Dan Huber is my, uh, is my guest today. We're going to talk all about all kinds of stuff. Uh, we'll take a nice slow approach so we make sure and get everything covered. And then of course, Todd Bubba Horwitz. You know, I'm going to ask him if it's going to be a blue Christmas. You know, so some people look for a white Christmas. If we're if we're if we're asking which side of the card Bubba's on, I I think we all know. But may, maybe he's changed. I don't know. Perhaps it'll be a blue Christmas. We'll find out right after this afternoon's news, where soft red winter wheat futures rose sharply on short covering and technically driven buying following the market's drop to 14 month lows earlier this week. Taiwan purchased nearly 43,000 metric tons of U.S. milling wheat, adding mild support. Although generally weak U.S. exports and stiff competitions from other top wheat producers will limit the upside. Consultancy Sove Econ raised its forecast for Russia's 22-23 July through June wheat exports to 43.9 million metric tons. That's up from 43.7 million metric tons, so just a small bump in that Russian uh, wheat export forecast, but a bump nonetheless. Uh, March hard red winter wheat futures today, 18 and three quarters cents higher, 848 and three quarters. 
March soft red wheat gained 20 and one half cents to 749 and one half. March spring wheat closed at 902 even. That's up six cents on the day. Corn futures spent the day session in positive territory, although trimmed early gains by the close of trade. U.S. ethanol production averaged 1.077 million barrels per day during the weekend of December 2nd. That's up 59,000 barrels per day from the previous week, still down 1.2% from the same week in 21. This according to the Energy Information Administration. Ethanol stocks increased 323,000 barrels to 23,000.257 million barrels. March corn futures were four cents higher, 641 and one quarter. May corn added three and three quarter cents to 642. July corn futures closed at 639 and three quarters. That's up three and three quarter cents. We mentioned that uh, sale that Taiwan purchased um, that milling wheat. They also bought some Brazilian corn at the same time. I don't know if it means anything. It wasn't a huge purchase, but, uh, you know, that was out there. Soybean futures extended Tuesday's gains as recent China purchases encouraged demand bulls. High temperatures in Argentina Tuesday reached the 90s and into the 100 degrees Fahrenheit zone. World Weather Inc. says rain expected this weekend, quote, will be extremely important for Argentine crops. However, World Weather also pointed out forecast rains over the next 10 days will likely miss the areas that need it most. Meanwhile, net drying in southern Brazil is expected to continue into the weekend China imported uh, 7.35 million metric tons of beans in November. That's up 77.5% from October, but still 14.2% less than last year. January bean futures, 17 cents higher on the day, 14.72. March beans up 15 and three quarters, 14.77 and one quarter. July soybeans closed at 14.89. That's up 15 and one half cents today. March cotton, 276 points lower, 81.83. On the livestock side, through the first 11 months of the year, China imported 6.7 million metric tons of meat, down 23.2% from the same period last year. Live cattle futures extended yesterday's losses in early trade, hit three-week lows on follow-through technical pressure and a slump in wholesale beef. The futures recovered slightly as corn trimmed gains. February cattle, seven and one-half cents lower, 153.55. January feeders down 90 cents, 180 and 90. And February lean hog futures dropped slightly under yesterday's low and fell as low as 86.45. That's the contract's lowest intraday price since DS1. Prices closed just above support of the 50-day moving average. Feb hogs 27 and one half cents lower, 86.85. April up two and a half cents to close at 92.82 and one half. Let's get to Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. Bubba. Davis, what's up, Davis? All right, so the song goes a little something like this. Uh, 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 blue. Are you on the blue side for Christmas? <laughs> I'm always on the blue side for now. I mean, to me, <laughs> what was going on doesn't make any sense. The, the logic behind the models don't work. In my mind, I, I, I can only see dramatically higher prices at the grocery store. I just I had to go grocery yeah. shopping. My bill was 47% higher. Than the last time, uh, you know, again, whatever is holding them down, I think will end up in a major league trap. I think it's, I believe it to be fun. And those trying to accumulate because I think that 2023 is going to be a boom time in commodities. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we've got major shortages, which nobody cares to talk about. And I guess that uh, we're going to move into the metaverse so we don't need food. So we won't have to worry about it. Or at least, uh, you know, that's what they're, they're thinking, I guess, because where are we going to get the food from? How are we going to eat? How are we going to supply everything? How are we going to feed our cattle? How are we going to do everything? And that nothing is logical at this moment. Now, obviously, it's very painful if you're long and holding these markets here. But I, I just, again, I've seen this movie before, and it does not have a happy ending for, for the shorts. When we're talking uncertainty, uh, the stock market doesn't like it. But uh, with with the way things are going, it feels like commodity markets, maybe uh, it's it's a positive on the price for commodity markets. I think so. I think that the mar- listen, the markets are kind of you know what we call a wide sweeping consolidation pattern, really going nowhere. Uh, typically, this is the holiday season, a little bit more bullish, the Santa Claus rally. Uh, but I, I think we're basically, from a trader standpoint, the year is over a week from Friday. Okay, from a trader standpoint, wow. and the, we've already had very light volume, anyways. I mean, volume stinks. Okay, wow. let's be frank about what's happening. And so when volume is very light, it allows funds to push down. And I hear my music. Thanks, everybody. Happy happy holidays. We'll see you later. Todd Bubba. Ho, ho, Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. We've got Dan Huber coming up next on the other side of this break. Agritalk. Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Somebody had the good sense to uh, put a little cowbell into this song, and I think we're all we're all better for it. Your pal Davis Michelson here on AgriTalk. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. My guest today, Dan Huber from the Huber Report. Dan, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Welcome to AgriTalk, buddy. It's good to hear from you again. Yeah, thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Dude, I don't know if I've if I've ever uh, asked you this before, but lest we forget, um, the, the the Huber Report, we we reference it every time that you're on. Sure. And yet I don't remember a time when I've said, Dan, how do people get a hold of the Huber Report? So that is now the question I pose to you, sir. Shameless plug in three, two, one. All right. Well, I do appreciate that. But, of course, it's quite easy. The uh, the HuberReport.com is available at that web address, the HuberReport.com. You can sign up for a uh, two-week free, free trial and uh, see what you think about it. But, uh, you know, the only key there, if you type in Huber, it's H-U-E-B-E-R. So most people tend to forget that E. So it uh, 
you know, they, if you type in AQBER, you're not going to, at least, you, at least you're not going to find me. So, do you, do you know what's in the Hubber report? Is there a Hubber report out there somewhere? You know, I, uh, I, I have not looked it up. I probably should do that. And, you know, that's <laughs> probably one of those things I should buy that. I should buy that website just to have it redirected to my own. But it, uh, but it's it, uh, no, it, uh, like I say, if anybody's available for uh, a couple of weeks of you know, free trial, they want to read what I have to say. But it, uh, you put out a, a daily letter. Uh, usually in the morning, and then they uh, usually weekend commentary. Weekend commentary is more uh, looking at the economy, what's happening in the overall macro scene. So it uh, so anyway, it's uh, been around for gosh, I uh, I should count up the years right now, but I know it's uh, when I when I go to send out the letter in the morning, it's in the thousands. Uh, which one's going out? So it uh, I've written a few newsletters over the years. That's outstanding, and uh, I've I've read it myself, and it is definitely a a worthwhile read and uh, very informative. Um, we'll we'll talk a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about it uh, because you know, spoiler alert: I read today's edition. I'll I'll be honest with the uh, with the beloved listeners, and I was glad that I did. There are a few things in there I want to ask you about, but um, sure. but if if we could if we could speak just a little bit broadly, um, mm-hmm. it's it's dangerous to ask questions. Too generally, when it comes to the markets, I but I was equally unfair to Bubba and asked him if he's expecting a blue Christmas, a green sure, Christmas, sure. A, a bullish Christmas. If if we can go that far, um, right? Wh- what are your thoughts here? It, it seems like I don't know. One day a market doesn't make, of course, no, but no. it could could feel like a bounce here, yeah. Well, and realistically, of course, we are kind of we're talking about something relatively short term here. But you know, if you, if you look at the old adage that uh, bulls get the turkey for Thanksgiving, the bears get it for Christmas, or vice versa, and you know, I, technically, I, I would say the bears had the uh, the Thanksgiving turkey, and of course, obviously, there was a lot more leftovers than normal because they've still been munching on it here for the last couple of weeks. But it, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I think we've reached that point. You know, and I'm most specifically referring to uh, corn and wheat here being a bit of a different story. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've probably pressed them low enough. We've come to, we've down to some points of value where we have stopped at other times throughout this year. So yeah, I'm going to tend to think that uh, we could see prices uh, recover into at least the Christmas period, maybe even to that final crop production report in early January. So it's, uh, but, but yeah, and, you know, and I think it hit, hit it on the head earlier. Volumes are light. People are just not interested. You know, if anything, this tends to be a time where people just move to the exits and uh, take the holidays off. So, uh, but, you know, that that can also stimulate some volatility if any kind of news comes in here. But, you know, with the shellacking the uh, the corn and wheat especially have taken over the last 30 days, and we're, we're due for a rebound. You know, beans could be another story. Now, now granted, I, I think a lot of this action we've seen in the beans recently has been probably China pricing some of the previous purchases of beans or getting ready to load them. And of course they have to price them by the time they load them or when or when they load them. So I think that that has helped lift this bean market up here. And of course the meal has uh, you know really taken the, taken the bull by the horn, so to speak, over the last week. And, you know, here again, you know, you, you just, I, I don't think we're gonna get that far out of line. You know, we, we've taken January beans at 1470. That stopped this market multiple times here in the last four to five months. Yes, sir. We could make a make a run at the fifteen dollar mark, but boy, I think it's going to be difficult to justify it much above there unless we add on a, a serious weather issue in Brazil. And right now, that doesn't seem to be in the forecast. Okay, um, 
Wow, that was that was a terrific sort of overview of. Uh, How about a synopsis there? How about that? Yes, yeah. quite the synopsis. We'll 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 pick it apart as we go along in this afternoon's show. I'd, sure. I'd like to get your opinions, and maybe maybe you don't know if if that's the case. Feel free sure. to accuse me of asking you unfairly to speculate. But dude, I'm having a hard time getting my head around. Is China really uh, relaxing? the zero COVID policy, or is it not? Now, I see the reports of the citizens are, are pretty unhappy when they're mm-hmm. locking them back down. Um, so I guess twofold is the question here. Are we are we buying it? Because the latest news is that they're relaxing their, uh, their policies. The second sort of ripple in that is, does, does that necessarily mean that we'll see some increased demand coming from China? Oh, you know, for ag products, I don't know if that really shifts the demand that much. I, I, in a lot of other categories, you know, economic activity, uh, you know, maybe Apple's breathing a sigh of relief that they were going to get their iPhones back in time or something. But, 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 no, I, I have to believe, you know, they they really, you know, those those riots, those uh, protests, however you want to however you want to label them, mm-hmm. realistically, were uh, we hadn't seen anything like that since Tiananmen Square. Right, uh, you know, to really uprise with that many voices uh, against a you know regime that's known for cracking down instantaneously, and that they allowed it to go on as long as it did, I, I think probably uh, is a measure of just how intense it was. Now, it is interesting, you know, once they decided to crack down, boy, you it was over. You know, you you didn't hear about any more rioting in the streets mm-hmm. or barricades or whatever the case may be, but. You know, I think once they quelled that, they realized that you know this is a uh, this is a kettle that's ready to boil over, and they needed right. to do something to uh, appease those uh, those citizens. So I think yes, you know, not that they've completely given up on their zero policy, but you know, obviously they're allowing people to to go back to work after uh, with more less stringent testing requirements and things. So uh, so yes, it's you know, and again, I, you know, China is. And of course, I mean, we know it's the market, you know, when you get a 1.2, 1.3 billion people, you know, everybody looks at that as the marketplace and, you know, they're going to, they're going to dictate what goes on in the world economy, but they have got so many problems. And, you know, give me an example where a, a I mean, truly not, not a group of people, but there's one person trying to think he can control that entire populace. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's ridiculous, you know, so I mean, th- there's just so many places they could really ish- run into issues and problems, you know, it doesn't have to be COVID, it, it's, it's going to be somewhere else. So I think the, you know, this was just probably the tip of the iceberg for some of the problems we're going to see come out of China in the years ahead. But, you know, that said, they still have to eat, you know, I mean, they, they're, right. uh, they're still going to be dependent on, you know, us residually, but, you know, certainly South America for, you uh, for protein needs, uh, sounds like the uh, the hog industry is kind of on the rebound there again after some some very unprofitable levels. Uh, but but there again too is you know, it's, it's, it, when you start when you think about the size of the hog industry in China, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just mind boggling. You know compared to you know what what they swing you know from uh, high to low in their in their production cycle with more hogs than we have in this country. You know so it's uh, you know that that's a big market to keep fed. Well and still. Um, I've got this here. The, the through the first eleven months of the year, China imported six point seven million metric tons of meat. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I just have meat in my notes here. That really doesn't help us sure. differentiate. But meat, uh, that's down twenty three point two percent from the same period last year. And maybe I'm just pie in the sky. That feels like pent up demand. 
Well, I, I think pent up demand. I think one, they, um, you know, if we go back a year ago, there was you were probably also seeing some residual of the African swine fever. You know, so some of those some of those okay. imports were still rebuilding stocks. I, I think you know, and of course here again too. You know, there's the there's the difficulty of a managed economy. You know, they they think yes. you can fine tune and we can hold this well. Economics come into play there, you know, and those economics of the, the hog industry ran into some uh, difficult times, unlike in the past in China when it was small, you know, two sows and, you know, uh, multiple different farms. We're looking at large commercial operations now. And when they're unprofitable and they said, decide to liquidate, you know, it can make a big swing in the, in the, the numbers over there. And I think they, they overestimated uh, or underestimated, however you want to. Uh, you want to you know, look look at the pie on uh, what impact was happening, what was happening in the hog herds. Uh, let the let the inventory slide. Had it come back, food prices were getting kind of crazy. Uh, you know, compound that with you know all of the issues on supply chain issues from uh, yeah. from related to COVID, and you know they they just got caught on both ends of the spectrum. And right. you know maybe now they're finally kind of getting back to some point of equilibrium. But uh, boy, it's yes. a challenge. You know, you say it's uh, who, who can manage an economy that size. Right, right. Dan Huber is my guest. Um, we're going to uh, conduct some commerce here quickly and come back on the other side of this break to continue the conversation. We've talked China. Um, let's let's get some more, dig deeper into these domestic markets here. It's Davis Michelson with Dan Huber on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. China announced on Wednesday the most sweeping changes to its zero-COVID policy since the pandemic began. China imported 7.35 million metric tons of soybeans in November, up 77.5% from October, but 14.2% less than last year. As I said, through the first 11 months of this year, China imported 6.7 million metric tons of meat, down 23.2% from the same period last year. The European Union agreed on Tuesday to a new law to require companies to produce a due diligence statement showing their supply chains are not contributing to the destruction of forests. Democratic incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock has beaten GOP challenger Herschel Walker in Georgia's Senate runoff race, and cattle contracts library pilot program will be established by USDA. Get more news at TryProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. 
That number once again, 8-5-5-4-8-2-5-5-2, followed by the number four. Agritalk, Agritalk, your pal, Davis Michelson here with you. Dan Huber is my guest today. Before we get back to the conversation, here's how the markets performed. Today, March hard red winter wheat futures were 18 and three quarters cents higher at 848 and three quarters. March soft red wheat gained 20 and one half cents to 749 and one half. March corn futures were four cents higher, 641 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 639 and three quarters. That's up three and three quarter cents. January soybeans, 17 cents higher, 1472. July beans closed at 1489. That's up 15 and one half cents on the day. March cotton, 276 points lower, 8183. On the livestock side, February fat cattle were seven and one half cents lower, 153.55. January feeders down 90 cents, 180.90. And February lean hog futures 27 and one half cents lower at 86 and 65. Dan Huber from the Huber Report is my guest today. Welcome back, Dan. Um, before we get off China, I don't want to dwell too much here, but obviously China is a big factor. China. Um, the, the global equity markets seem to feel at least slightly encouraged about this China news easing its zero COVID policy. Um, but what what gives with crude oil? I mean, all along they've been saying, well, China, you know, they're locked down. The, the, you know, the oil demand is just out of the market from China. We're, and we got a down day in the in the crude oil market. Right, right. You know, and again, I mean, I was bring up the same example. You know, they uh, they tend to think we're going to see business pick up, and you also haven't. You know, I mean, just just to cap it off, you also haven't seen it in the uh, you haven't seen it in the transportation markets either. You know, the world mm. ocean, you know, the ocean container freights and those type of things. So, so yeah, I, I think the equity markets are probably uh, they needed something. You know, they've been. Uh, been under kind of duress here recently, and any, any good news they could climb onto to uh, try to get a little spark of a little rally. But, but yeah, I, I think the markets that would really tell you if uh, you know we're seeing changes out there tell us just the opposite. And crude's crude's a prime example. You know, with that break today, in fact, mm-hmm. I, I just looked it up a moment ago. With that break today, we're actually lower on the year for Brent crude. So it, wow. uh, you know, so after some wild trade, you know, here we are, less than we were, uh, a slightly less, not a lot, but a slightly less than we were on December thirty first here last year. So, uh, and like I say, the same thing you see it over in the uh, in in the container markets. The Baltic Dry Index, uh, you know, is down, sitting, and you know, it's not not as extremely as low as it got in, let's say, twenty twenty or even twenty sixteen. But it, it's in it levels that we spent the better part of the last decade trading at. So, I mean, the, there's an ample amount of shipping around there, and evidently, uh, no inordinate amount of demand for anything that's uh, that's really really sparked that up. And, and I think that kind of you know, and again, this is more of the macro picture, I guess you'd say. But, you know, when you commodities, you know, we really went through a, a two year major, major historic climb. Uh, that's new highs, new record highs and some, but most, most not. But, you know, two years in the commodity term is kind of like dog years. You know, I mean, that that's mm. that's like 14 years of, of rallying. And I think, right. you know, throughout that time, you know, we, in, when you look at the greens, we had a, uh, yeah, I guess you call it a trifecta. You had North American crop problems, you had South American crop problems, and you had COVID throughout that period disrupting the whole supply chain issue. You know, we've learned a lot on how to deal with those things. So unless you can kind of come back and throw 
you know, those type of, you know, su surprises, I mean, uh, not quite black swan issues, but, you know, those type of shocks at the market again, you know, I, I think it's going to be difficult to get really get people really excited about the uh, the commodity sector, uh, greens included, you know, unless we have, yes, uh, yeah, you know, we know Argentina's got a problem, but Brazil, okay, you know, off to uh, yeah, a pretty respectable start here for the, uh, for the new year. Uh, Europe looks like it's planning, uh, you know, so, uh, I know oil seeds were the, the uh, uh, I think rape and sunflower production looks to like it's going to try to be higher into uh, those markets. So it's, uh, you, you know, we're, we're making a lot of adjustments to uh, uh, compensate for what happened over the last couple of years. And like I say, I think we're going to need a real shocker here to get these commodity markets to do anything exceptional to the upside. And I'm not exactly sure where that's going to come from. All right. All right. Um, let's, let's switch over to the, uh, the domestic side. Sure. Sure this counts for crude oil as well. Um, roll in as you see fit. Um, taken from your commentary this morning in the Huber Report, uh, a, a theme did seem to emerge just a little bit, and that is it's not unusual to see a move exhaust during the first week of a month. Sure. Could, sure. could you could you riff on that just a little bit, please? Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, of course, like like anything else, there's nothing precise. But, I mean, if you see a, sure. a market that has been moving and, it, you know, it's fed direct, it doesn't have to be lower. But in the case of, I, mean, I think I was referring to corn and wheat, uh, yep. and those markets have been tracking generally lower. It, you know, if you look back uh, just month in, month out, it, it, you know, and again, you have to have a definite direction. If you just got a sideways trade, you know, of course, it does little for you. But if you get down to that first week of the month, you know, very end of a previous month, you know, people have kind of evened up their positions, you know, they might kind of take a fresh look at where they're at overall. And of course, it takes about 30 days often to move a market from overbought to oversold or vice versa. So, uh, you know, you, like you say, if even particularly here in the case of uh, corn and wheat, no question about it, we drove right down into this first week of December. And, uh, you know, with the year end coming on top of it, boy, if you were short of this market, you'd have to start thinking, well, you know, year end's coming up. You know, they're going to they're going to be checking my bonus on uh, how well I traded here this year. Maybe it's just time to cap off these profits and uh, and uh, sit the rest of the year out. We can, and, and of course, in that case, if you're short, you're going to yep. be short covering. So, yeah, sure, sure. Um, and we can go down the corn road or the wheat road, whichever you prefer or or both. But if we're looking mm -hmm. at uh, at nudging up against those summer lows in both the corn and the wheat, is there a chance we mm -hmm. see? Uh, I guess I'm thinking of corn with that sideways trading range that we were trapped in for so long. Is there oh, a chance sure, that we sure. just find some sort of longer term, would you call it medium term, maybe uh, support here? And then we just pop right back into that, that sideways trading range again for a few months? Oh, oh I, I think, yeah. I mean, to, to think between now and uh, more a better idea of what we're going to see for the planting this year. There you yeah, go. I, I don't see where we're going to, you know, really do anything more than hold these ranges. Uh, you know, Mar March corn, you know, perfect example, you know, for months, you know, we traded between uh, 670 and 710, uh, you know, in the last month here broke down to 640, which we hadn't visited since, uh, 
since August. So yeah, I, I think we could now maybe get into a 640-680 trading range as we move out over the next few months. So it, uh, I, I guess, in my mindset, you know, the the mentality for my for what I would suggest to people will be to sell those rallies, uh, particularly as we start moving up into the middle latter part of March when you really get a lot of discussion about what's going to be uh, the acreage intention and of course. Hopefully, hopefully, if anything, we get a, a nice little rally in February to get those crop insurance values brought back up again. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, like I say, the uh, yeah, I, I think if anything, even in the beans, you know, 17 is higher here today. It's great. We're pushing up against 1470. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been in this range for three months now. You know, this is just nothing new, but uh, chopping around within that same old pattern. Um, I know you watch the Fibonacci's. It's not something that we talk mm-hmm. about a ton on sure. AgriTalk. Sure. Um it it looks like according to your calculations in uh, in the March wheat yesterday, um, we hit some sort of Fibonacci number of significance. Talk about that, please. All right, the uh, let me actually get my chart pulled up here again. So there you I go. Uh, get my uh, my fingers correctly, but yeah, you know, and again, in Fibonacci sequences, be it in uh, price or in time, are just another tool for the toolbox. I mean, there's nothing uh, spectacular or you know to make them stand on their own, but you know the uh, the move in time, you know, 0.618 or six sixty one point eight, however you want to, whatever fraction you want to put on it, is you know called the, the the prime Fibonacci number. You know, it's the exact shape of a rectangle, and you see it in nature and this type of thing. But yeah. you know, two things that we'll round it up here today. One was if you look at the uh, the three major high low high in wheat since the peak this last year, which was May, August, and then October, if you take a the, the, the distance of them out, move it out 0.618 time, that came to yesterday. So, I mean, there was your Fibonacci time count. Uh, second is when we peaked in October, we, we broke down for uh, you know, better, you know, in, into the end of October, quick little rally up into the first of November. Now, the second wave down which according to Elliott theory, oftentimes if it's a third wave should be 1.618% of the first wave. Well, that's pretty much exactly what we did, you know, getting down to 726 measured out to an exactly 1.618% move of that first wow. wave. So, you know, yeah. a nice, nice little juncture, you know, now granted, if it, if it reacts out of here, we can look back and say, oh, boy, that was it. That was perfect. But, you know, here again, it's, uh, I, I think if you can add in other things and saying, all right, yeah, we're, we're quite oversold. Yeah. We're at the beginning of the month. Yes, we could, we know, we know, the funds have been heavily short in the Chicago wheat contract. So, you know, you can add them all together and it would kind of stand to say that uh, we've got potential for a short covering rally here into the end of the year. But then, then again, all of this considered, I mean, there, there is that tried and true axiom. The market can stay, uh, what is it, illogical longer than I can stay solvent, something like that? Yeah, ab- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, you know what, again, it's, uh, uh, you know, the, of course, there's so many rules that, uh, you know, it's easy to break them because you you want to feel you're right. But I mean, absolutely. You know, that's that. And that's I, I guess I've always been an adherent to say you have to let the market tell you what it's right. going to do. You know, you, right. if, you, if you think you can tell the market what's going to do, you will become insolvent because it will it will squeeze you to the point where you can't stand it any longer. So but it does it does give off signals here and there that, uh you know, not not that they're ever 100 percent, but at least helps sure. you to, uh, to stay out of trouble. Excellent. Dan Huber, um, I'm hoping you can stick around through the fourth segment of the show here. We yes, need to yes, talk about uh, what to do about it and what what farmers should expect. Maybe uh, 
where their heads should be at moving into the holiday season and beyond. It's Dan Huber on AgriTalk with your pal, Davis Michelson. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Welcome back to it, everybody. I just got an incoming communique from your beloved host, Chip Flory. Got in the car at the bottom of the hour and turned on KMA. Shout out to KMA and all of our listeners in the KMA broadcast area. And all of you around the country, around the world, and throughout the known universe, wherever you may be. Hello. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Your pal, Davis Michelson. Chip returns tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll let you know he's got some stuff. I'll I'll preview it before we before we say sayonara. But right now, Dan Huber is my guest from the Huber Report. Dan, uh, let's just touch on some livestock stuff uh, real quickly. Sure. Feb hogs don't seem to want anything to do with ninety two turned back again. And, you know exactly. They uh, you know and again the uh, yesterday and today you know just uh, kind of kind of took the air out of the the bullish balloon again. And you know you, you look at that ninety. 92. I mean, I guess we pushed up as high as 93 a few times this year, but boy, it has stopped us all year long. I mean, going all the way back to spring, you know, we failed at that 92, 93 cent mark. And, it, you know, actually, if you look back historically, historically, the only time we've ever taken February hogs above 93 cents was back in 2014. So, I mean, this, this is a, a tough, tough, tough level of resistance. And, you know, I'm afraid the uh, the action over the last two days has probably told us that uh, this is not our time to, to move any higher than that. Okay. All right. Uh, more pressure to come in cattle. Feels like it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, you know, here again, uh, like the hogs, I mean, quite a disappointment, you know, into uh, Monday, we looked like we were going to try to uh, extend uh, moves into higher ground and boy, just in a, an immediate about phrase yesterday or the day before yesterday. And, uh, you know, here we are now, granted, we bounced back well from the lows here today, but I mean, pushed back down to a level we hadn't seen in several weeks. So, yeah, I, I think same, you know, the cattle, we, we've got this, this dichotomy here between, uh, you know, not, you know, we, we know there's been a lot of cows slaughtered this year. I mean, it's, it's good. It, 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 you could build a case on why we should see higher prices next year, but then you have to keep coming back to the demand side. You know, are we really going to see consumers start to back away from the higher price cuts of meat. You know, certainly hamburger has been more of a bargain here recently, but I mean, you know, once that gets snapped up, I, I, uh, I don't know if they're really going to want to pay up for the, for the price of beef. So, mm, Indeed. Indeed. Um, we spoke with Dr. Jim Mintert from Purdue university this morning about his mm-hmm. ag economy barometer. Uh, sure. 
the idea was sort of that farmers are beginning to maybe not panic, but circle the wagons just a little bit, looking out past the first of the year or maybe up to the end of this year. Can you just help farmers figure out where you would like to see them positioned or could you just give us a little counsel here? Uh, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking old crop, new crop, talking about both or uh, whatever you I like. Yeah, let's. All right. Well, you yeah. know, old crop. I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully, got you know. And again, we've had ample opportunities to uh, to make sales here this year. Uh, you know, I mean, hopefully, uh, people have priced up all of that uh, 2022 crop that they uh, uh, they were within reason of, of marketing. If we do get a little more of a rebound here, I think between now and Christmas time in the uh, the corn market, if you if you're lacking sales, I would probably catch up to them. Catch up with them. Similar, similar to beans. I, I just am a little questioned uh, if we, or questionable if we can see it much higher than we have here already this week. But, but sir, there could be another little bounce up to uh, take advantage of that. You know, looking at the new crop, you know, I, I don't see any urgency. You know, we've taken new crop corn from the six twenty to thirty range down to just below six dollars, and of course, new crop beans. You know, similar, uh, similar sideways pattern, but we're towards the upper end. You know, it's really been trading between. Thirteen sixty and fourteen dollars, and kind of pressing against that fourteen dollar mark. It, you know, I think from fourteen to fourteen fifty, you, you have to be a seller of new crop beans. And I think in the corn, if we move back up into the six, I'll, I'll say six twenty yet. But I mean, I, I think back in that range, you need to be a seller there for new crop as well. So, very good. Uh, just real quickly, doesn't seem like anybody's really expecting much uh, in the way of fireworks in the S and D reports later this week. No, right. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, again, January, generally the December report is you know, kind of brushed aside. You know, they're not going to make any changes in their production. Those things would be set up for the January report. So, sure, they could tweak uh, a little bit on the on the usage categories. You know, the, the estimates are for a little bit higher adjustment from the uh, November carryout. So, so, I mean, everybody's expecting something higher. Chances are, if there's going to be a surprise, it might come to the positive side. But, but there again, like I say, you know, and I think Bubba made the comment earlier. You know, you're to the point where people aren't even really paying that much attention at this time of year. So, well, and it it was interesting, also, um, sort of on that note, with uh, the conversation with Dr. Mintert about how growers are pretty squarely focused on the inputs costs, the inputs side of their operation as opposed to the output um and i expect that to remain the case you oh oh, absolutely you know and again and and the difficult part you know in fact i had a discussion with a uh, uh, fellow with one of the local farm credit officers recently talking about the uh, the inputs you know how much they've escalated this year and what guys are doing to uh, you know try to try to manage that and uh, you know and of course the the difficult side when it comes to the, the marketing side of that is you know, the, the hard reality is markets don't care. I mean, that's not their job to care about what it costs you to produce this crap. It's their it's their job to find the the right buyers and sellers for it. So, uh, boy, I mean that that is really the the one the one thing a farmer can try to manage best he can. Granted, he can't make the price of those inputs go down, but uh, you can certainly adjust what you're using and uh, you know be as as prudent as possible on on what you apply this year. And it's been it has been interesting. Just over the past few years, 21, it was, oh, boy, geez, I don't know. Then we got into 22. Well, we've still got 21 to fall back on. Then we get into, mm-hmm. you know, here we are. It, it, it just it seems to be that that big spooky year keeps being put off for sure, another sure. year. And eventually it's, it's bound to be time to pay the fiddler. So it feels like a little prudence is in order. 
right? And we know the, when the USDA published last week, you know, it looks like another record year for our uh, total farm income. So, uh, but yes, I mean, you, uh, you when you generally you follow two or three of them in a row, you know, you're going to come back and uh, balance that out a little bit in the in the next following years. So. Dan Huber from the Huber Report. That's thehuberreport.com. H-U-E-B-E-R report.com. Dan, thank you so much for your insights and for, for your time today. We appreciate you, brother. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Thanks. Have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too, as well, pal. Well, as I said, Chip returns tomorrow from FBN's event in Omaha with his findings. He'll share some conversations with us in the morning, including Kevin McNew. And Ken Barbick, and then tomorrow afternoon, it's Mac Marshall from USB. I'm your pal, Davis Michelson. So pleased you decided to spend some time with us. Thanks to Dan Huber for myself and Big Apple Joe Stackler. Thanks for tuning in. Tune back in tomorrow morning, 10.06 Central, for more Agritalk.